Amen. Joel chapter 2, verse 23. We'll pray as we turn this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for your help and for your anointing this morning that you would come and that you would move by your Spirit. Lord, that you would anoint us to hear. Lord, both to hear and to preach your word. Father, that your name would be glorified in this house today. Lord, we realize, Lord, it's more than a song, but it's a reality that you are coming back and you're coming back soon. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the blessed Holy Spirit that brings a witness to your hearts. Lord, that we're to look up for our redemption. It draweth nigh. Lord, make us ready. Make your bride ready. Make us ready for your soon return. Lord, we pray, Lord, even as Noah's door was opened, Lord, we pray that as the door of grace is still opened, Lord, that men and women and young people would run, Lord, to be saved. Lord, because there's coming a time that not man will close the door, but God himself will close the door on time. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, give us ears to hear. Help us this morning, Lord, to be a people that are willing, that are ready, that are prepared for your coming. Anoint your word and glorify your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Joel chapter 2, verse 23. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the fats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And we'll end the reading of God's word there. Just to recap again and I think it was about seven or eight years ago, but just preaching on this verse here, I'd done a study on verse 24 and the restoration of the years that the locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm. Many believe that this is one uh, insect evolving, representing the demonic outpouring that there will take place in the last days, which we're uh, currently in. And each Creature has a particular way in which it destroys the harvest and destroys the fruit and destroys people's lives. But in the midst of that here, we read of a restoration or a latter rain ministry. The word to restore means to bring something back. And that's important for us this morning in this word restoration, a ministry that God has raised up, will raise up, and continue to raise up as he is gracious, and he will not leave himself without a witness, a ministry that will demonstrate in the power of the Spirit of God, the gospel of this kingdom, that God has always had a voice, even through the dark ages as they call it, there was always a voice that God had that was raised up to still preach the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of this kingdom, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a gospel that heals all manner of sicknesses and heals all manner of diseases. It sets the captive free 
And it sets those that are bound with sin and bound by Satan himself, sets them gloriously free. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Bible tells us it's a gospel of peace and it's a gospel of grace. And Romans 1.16 says, It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. This is the kingdom and this is the gospel of the kingdom. There's a preparation there's a preparation in these days uh, of God's people. God's preparing a people, restoring a, such a ministry. And it has been ongoing for many years. God knows what he's doing and he's bringing about his purposes for these last days. Here we read in our reading today, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord. For he hath given you former rain moderately, but he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Now we looked at that rain, the latter rain, the early and the latter, the early being that of the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago when the Lord, as often in the Scripture, uses agriculture and farming types to bring spiritual truths. And the latter rain that would take place at the end, around the March time, for the harvest time, there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost or an outpouring of rain at that time. And here the Scripture is telling us that there is a latter rain, a latter outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God speaks in the midst of that of a restoration of power to both redeem the time, the years that the locusts have eaten, and restore that which was lost. We've sung about it this morning. And here we read of a ministry that operates and functions in the power of the latter rain, the outpouring of the Spirit of God. It's not, it is not by the might or the method or the schemes or the plans or systems of man but it is by the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel that they preach is the gospel. There's only one gospel. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This happens and is happening all across the world right now. It's not going to happen. It is happening and will happen. There is a people that God is raising up, His bride, those who love Him, those who are saved by His grace, those who are born of the Spirit. He is raising His people up because He's coming for His bride. He's coming again. Praise the Lord. This world's not our home. We are just passing through and the Lord Jesus Christ, praise the Lord, is coming and He is coming soon. All the indications of the world around us are not pointing to anything else but that the Lord Jesus Christ is about to come for His bride. That is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. When God moves in such ways, if you look at the Scripture, you'll find that in every time God raises up a voice, that's not just singular, that's a voice, a witness of the Spirit amongst His people, that He is about to perform His purposes and His will. You'll find that the whole way through Scripture. And as we approach the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand that God is making His bride ready. He's coming for His bride. He's coming for His church. The Son deserves a bride. And He's coming for that bride. And if you're saved 
This morning you're born of the Spirit. You're washed in the blood. You're part of the bride of Christ. Christ is coming for his bride. And so we read here that there is a latter rain that is poured out. And in the midst of that, there is a restoration of the years that the locusts have eaten. There's something happening that we must grasp according to the Word of God. There is a ministry. The word minister, by the way, has been evolved and changed and developed. But really it simply means to be a servant. To be a servant. That's what it means to serve. And there is a a group, a gathering of the people of God who are the ministers of God. That's not a title that you wear on your lapel or something because you have a collar around your neck. That's a Christian. They're servants of the Lord and they minister. And so we see that God is preparing his people for his coming. And in that there is a latter rain, an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Now, uh, if you turn over just into Malachi chapter 4, the last book of the Old Testament, we're about to close the Old Testament here and it's called the silent years, 400 years, they say, of silence. Now, it wasn't necessarily that there was nothing, but it is understood to be the silent years between the Old and the New Testaments. In verse 5 of Malachi chapter 4, the Scripture says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great And the dreadful day of the Lord. The great and the dreadful day of the Lord. Now when we talk of the great and the dreadful day, we know that we are speaking of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go back into Joel for a moment, just keep your finger there, but in Joel chapter 2, verse 31, just on down from our reading, It tells us there that the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord. There is a great and a terrible day. There's a great and a dreadful day that's coming. You must know this this morning. For everyone in this room, there is a great and there is a dreadful day that's upon us. That is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it's great for those that are saved. I know it speaks great in the sense of what will happen, but it's a great day for us that are saved. It's a great day to know that Christ is coming for us. It's a great day to know that we'll be caught up in the earth to meet the Lord. It's a great day that we'll leave this sin-sick world and we'll go home to be with Jesus forever. It's a great day because those that have died in Christ, our loved ones, will be resurrected again and there'll be a great reunion and we'll go to be with the Lord forever. It's a great day because He's going to wipe all the tears away from our eyes. It's a great day because there's no more death and no more sickness and all these things have passed away it's a great day because one day we'll see Jesus is that not a great day but it's a terrible day it's a terrible day and it's a dreadful day listen it's a terrible day this is what the Bible says it's a terrible day and it's a dreadful day for those that do not know the Lord That's what the Bible describes it as. 
a terrible and a dreadful day. Dread. We think of it in this world in which we're living that so many have no time for the Lord Jesus Christ, no time for God, no time that Christ died on the cross. Living their lives, going through life, just no concern for their soul, where they will spend eternity, whether that would be in heaven or whether that will be in hell, but you'll spend it in one of two places. And it's a dreadful day because it's a dreadful thought. And it's a terrible thought to think that at that moment that you would pass from time and into eternity and into a lost eternity, a place called hell. That's a dreadful thing. That's a terrible thing. But God's not willing for you to go to hell. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he died. To save us from this great and terrible day. What a day it will be. It will be great for those that are saved. But it will be terrible for those that are lost. Terrible. Listen, Listen to the words of scripture. It's terrible. It's dreadful. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it draweth nigh. And there's mockers and there's scoffers and those that reject and those that laugh and those that think, I've plenty of time. I've no time for that gospel. I've no time for that God stuff. Sure, all roads lead to God. Everyone goes to heaven. What a lie that is. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. There's only one way. Only one way to be saved. Only one way to know that when this day comes, to have a hope in your heart that your name's written in heaven, that Jesus is coming for me, is to acknowledge your sin. Ask him to forgive you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess with your mouth and you'll be saved. It's a great day. It's a day we look for. It's a day we hope for. It's a day that the church should look up for because Christ is coming and He's coming soon. That day is upon us more than ever before. We're closer now than when we first believed. As the time goes by, the hours and the minutes, and a Sunday after Sunday, we are ever closer to the coming of the Lord. It's a great day, but it's a dreadful day. And it's a terrible day for those that have rejected Christ. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Malachi says that he will send the prophet Elijah before the great and the dreadful day. It's a strange scripture. I'm sure you'll agree. It's a strange thought. Elijah, before the coming of the Lord, what does that mean? And here we see that Elijah, or this type of Elijah, will have a particular ministry in verse 6. It says, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Here's a terrible day, a great and a terrible day. But before that day, The prophet prophesies of Elijah coming. Now when we turn to Scripture and we see in Matthew chapter 17, the disciples were inquiring of the Lord concerning Elijah. 
In Matthew chapter 17, just after the transfiguration on that mountain, in Matthew chapter 17, they were inquiring of the Lord, we understand that you're the Messiah. We know that you're him who has to come. And now we see they've just had on the mount top there the transfiguration with the Lord. And now we understand that you are Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. But the scribes say that Elias would come first. And he would restore all things. And Jesus said unto them in verse 11, Elias or Elijah truly shall come first and restore all things. In other words, now here the Lord is speaking that Elijah will come. And then he says, but he has come. But when did Elijah come? We understand and we know that Elias or Elijah, as the Lord was talking about at that time, wasn't Elijah himself but it was John the Baptist who would come in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. So now we understand from this that it's not so much the person in Elijah, but there is a ministry in the spirit and in the power of Elijah himself. Here's the ministry of Elijah. Here's what the Lord said concerning the ministry of John. He will restore. He will restore and also he will prepare the people for the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 40, this is what the prophet says. If you turn back the prophet Isaiah chapter 40, and then we'll go into Matthew 3 again. I'm following through in the prophetic here this morning and the fulfillment of Scripture. But in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, the prophet Isaiah, several hundred years before the coming or the fulfillment of this prophecy, says, The voice of him that cries in the wilderness Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, but every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked place is going to be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. If you go right over into Matthew chapter 3 now, Isaiah is speaking of a voice that comes in the wilderness and a preparation for the way of the Lord. We understand this to be John the Baptist. And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, we see and read here, in those days, and I want to look at this ministry because I believe it will be the ministry in the final moments of time that bring the message of restoration and a preparation for the coming of the Lord. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent. Now focus on the message. The message of the voice is a message of repentance. Have you seen that somehow that this message has largely fallen quiet? Not everywhere. Thank God for those that are faithful in preaching the message of repentance. But John's message was a message of repentance. Have you noticed, brothers and sisters, that this message has largely evaporated from most of the church today? The message of repentance. And John cried, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or it is near. It is near. For this is that which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, fulfillment of Isaiah 40, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make 
his paths straight. The coming of the Lord. This is Christ's ministry, earthly ministry, that was being announced by a messenger. And Malachi also talks of him in Malachi 3, speaking of a messenger that would come prior to the earthly ministry of Christ. And it was simply declared to us that it would be a voice of one that cries in the wilderness, prepare yourself for the Lord. Prepare yourself for the Lord. A preparation. Why? Because the Lord's coming. That was the message that you need to be ready for the coming of the Lord. It was simply a voice that cried in the wilderness. A message of preparation, but also a message of reconciliation through repentance. And so we look at this ministry for a moment that came in the power and in the demonstration of the Spirit, like Elijah, to make ready a people for the Lord's coming. There is a ministry or a service to the Lord that somehow has been lost. Not totally, but largely. But this ministry is a ministry of truth and the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God. And God is inviting His people to be a part of this. To be faithful in this. No matter who you are, or no matter where you're from, if you know the Lord and you're saved, God's calling you to be part of this end-time people that will simply be a voice in a wilderness. And make people ready and let them know that Jesus is coming again. But this ministry is unique, but it's not elite. There's a difference there. It is definitely unique, but it is not certainly elite. It's a ministry that God is calling people to, but is very unlike what, and I mean this in a general, but not in totality, but it is very unlike what modern ministry has become. It's so different. So just simply, and I don't believe anyone is here of this kind, if your desire is to have your name in lights and billboards, have huge followings, and be a megastar, which it seems to come across that way in the church today, then you'll probably not be interested in this ministry. This ministry that we'll, that we'll talk about this morning will be entirely different to what ministry serving Jesus has become today. Because really what it has become is that it's fixated upon and centered upon man's desires. It promotes man. It promotes his abilities and his talents. And you'll note as well, which is an awful thing, I believe anyway, some might disagree, they actually call their ministry after themselves. It's popular in its content because it doesn't preach repentance. People enjoy it because it's non-confrontational. But how many people know that the cross is an offense? It thrives on pleasing the masses. And what it does is it lifts men up. It is like a business. If you just look at it and step back for a moment because... I'm not trying to just be judgmental on things. I'm just saying how subtly these things have moved into this realm. 
but it is more like a business approach. It is lucrative in its financial benefits. It's largely what we see, and really, it's really just all about me. It's about me. Can I just ask you this morning, if you're sitting here, and in yourself, because this is what I feel, but in yourself you feel, do you know what, I'm just, Tim's talking about a ministry here, but I just feel unqualified. In myself I just feel weak, but you love the Lord Jesus Christ. And many people love the Lord, really love the Lord. You just love the Lord. But in yourself you know that, you know it's not in me. But you do love Jesus and you have a passion for the glory of the Lord. You just want Christ to be glorified. And many people feel like that. I believe everyone here is saved. You just want him to be glorified. But in yourself, you just don't feel there's any really, well, how could it be me or whatever? And another thing that you'll note that has happened, if you compare notes, but most of the time we don't, but if you did compare the notes, what you'd find is that most of those people who have said, you know, I just love the Lord and I'm passionate for His glory. I want to see souls saved, but I just don't feel in myself. But you know what you'll find? That those people have been going through some of the most awful trials and tribulations and testings, even over many years. Many people feel like that. Just week in and week out. Could I just tell you something? You've probably come to this place. You have a two revelations. Here's two great revelations. And I, I've... I've Definitely feel I've come to these two great revelations. Number one, here's the first revelation. See me? I'm nothing. But here's the second revelation. See him? He's everything. These are two great revelations for every believer. See me? See me? Or here's me, as we said over here. We're nothing. We're weak in ourselves. We realize our frailty. We realize how frail we are. We're just but dust. We realize that in ourselves that we're absolutely nothing. I hope it doesn't offend you if you think something of yourself. But you're nothing and I'm nothing. But I want to tell you something else. I've found that he's faithful. And he's real. And he's a wonderful savior. And he keeps us by his power. I found out that God is amazing. I've always believed it. But as the revelation comes more and more, this is the ministry of John. I must. And what happens? His whole ministry was about someone else. Do you not find it a strange thing that, that people would call a ministry after themselves? When the whole ministry, the service of what we're doing, this whole service that which we are all involved in, who's it about? Just say his name, would you? It's all about Jesus. Now let's look at just a few things about this ministry. First of all, you must be born again. I mean, how simple is that? You've got to be saved. We read of the supernatural birth of John the Baptist. Supernaturally, he was born of his mother. But in Luke chapter 1, verse 14, we read just something about the character or the type of John, which is again a type of this Elijah type ministry. Luke chapter 1 verse 14. The angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias and announced these things. Luke 1 14. Thou shalt have joy and gladness. Many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. 
Now here, look at this. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He's an abstainer. Would you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thought you'd all forsaken me there. He's saved because he's found something else to drink that this world can't give you. You know what it is? It's called a new wine. And he shall be filled with what? The Holy Ghost. Now, brothers and sisters, those that are seeking the Holy Ghost, I want to continue to encourage you in seeking the filling of the Holy Ghost. Continue to seek the Lord. Continue to praise Him. Continue to wait upon Him. Just look to Him this morning. He will fill you through and through. Just trust Him to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Even from His mother's womb, many of the children of Israel shall He turn to the Lord their God and shall go out before Him in the spirit and the power of Elias. Then there's a ministry here of reconciliation. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Then the last statement says, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There's a making ready. You know, God is a God that makes preparation. You understand? God is a God that prepares. And he's making ready a people prepared for the Lord. What we read here is, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. His ministry was about another man. That man was Jesus. He would decrease, but Christ must increase. John 3 and verse 30. And all of this preparation was for the wonderful, great and glorious coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this outpouring of the Spirit, if the Lord, the Lord will be there to fulfill His powerful promise that in the power of the Spirit of the Lord, by the Holy Ghost, there's an ability here by God, unique to Himself, to bring about a restoration. And many people this morning long to see a restoration. A restoration in homes. A restoration in families. A restoration in the church. A restoration of broken relationships. A restoration of wayward loved ones. To see the unique ability of God to bring about a restoration. You know, God's able to do it this morning. To restore health. We sang this song. To restore your youth. To restore you in your mind. To renew you in your mind. God's able to touch a life in this room today. And instantly by his power. And bring a restoration of the mind. God's able. Many people know that. That he's able. This comes in the latter outpouring of the Spirit of God. Now the Spirit of the Lord is being poured out today. But there's an increase in that outpouring of the Spirit. As we approach the coming of the Lord. The secret of this ministry, if, there, if you could put it that way, the secret of its power is found in James chapter 5 and verse 17. The secret of this ministry is found in James 5 and 17. I love these verses. I love the way it opens. Because this is what it says. Elias, or Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. He wasn't a superman. He wasn't a superhuman. Do you know what it says? 
Elijah was just like you and he was just like me. He was just a man. We're all just men and with clay feet. You know that, don't you? We're all just men and with clay feet. But he was just like you and he was just like me. But then this is what it says. And he prayed earnestly. The secret in this ministry and the secret in serving and the secret of these last days for the church is just what it's always been. And the example has been set forth by our Lord and our Savior. He prayed earnestly. To pray and to intercede before the Lord. He prayed that it may not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth brought forth her fruit. The secret of the ministry is a praying people. A people that intercede. A people that earnestly seek the Lord. That is going to be really where it's sustained by the power of God when God's people pray, when we get into prayer, when we make prayer, when we pray without ceasing, when we really seek the Lord in prayer and pray with tears that God would answer and move by a spirit. And when he prayed that it may not rain, guess what happened? It didn't rain. And when he prayed that it should rain, guess what happened? It rained. Why? Because God hears. What does he do? He answers prayer. He was a man in 1 Kings 19 verse 10. And this is what it says. I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. I have a passion. And there's a passion in this room. There's a passion amongst God's people. That is very evident. There is a passion for the Lord. Do you love him this morning? Do you really love the Lord this morning? When you think of the goodness of Jesus, all that he's done for you, do you love him this morning? Here was a man that had a passion. He was jealous for the Lord God of hosts. He was a man that seen the outpouring, the revival of Mount Carmel and many other things. But the key in this ministry is the end of it and how it ends. I want you to listen very carefully because this is, this is going to affect everybody in this room when this comes to pass. And as sure as you're looking at me this morning, this will come to pass. Whatever you think, whatever you believe, whatever your thoughts are, but what I'm about to show you is going to happen. And it will affect every single person in this room. Saved and not saved. Elijah tells us in 2 Kings 2 and 11, he was caught up to heaven in a whirlwind. That's very hard for us to grasp, but the Bible tells us that Elijah was caught up to heaven in a whirlwind. Can I tell you something, brothers and sisters? That the ministry, the service to Jesus will end exactly the same way. If you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, and I'm coming to a close just in a minute, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. This ministry at this time and this season of grace, this dispensation of grace, is going to end, and I believe it's going to end soon. I don't know exactly when because no man knows, 
But all the indicators are that it's going to end soon. But in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16, this is what it says. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The Lord's coming. The Lord himself, not an angel, but the Lord himself. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And then here's the blessed hope of the church. The dead in Christ. Praise the Lord. This makes us different. Sorry, just in case you've lost sight of it. It makes us different from the Muslims. It makes us different from the Buddhists. It makes us different from the Hindus. It makes us different from those that are worshipping stones this morning and slaying animals and making sacrifice to dead gods that cannot hear and cannot answer. This makes it different that the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of heaven and earth, is coming back soon for you and me. And it says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Anybody got a loved one that's gone on to be with the Lord? Everybody probably in this room. But this is an amazing thing that the dead in Christ are going to rise first. I have said it before, but it could be possible for some of us. Can you imagine standing at the coming of the Lord in a graveyard? Can you imagine that moment when the graves opened of those that have died in Christ and their bodies are resurrected as a new body? Isn't it going to be an awesome thing? And this is the hope of the church. This is the hope of resurrection. Then it says, And thee which then we which are alive and remain. This is going to happen. Brothers and sisters, this is going to happen. Why does it why do I know it's going to happen? Because God said it's going to happen. And he put it down in his holy word. And it says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, just like Elijah, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. What a day. What a meeting. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Do you know it's a great day, isn't it? Are you looking forward to that day? What a day it's going to be. It's a great day. It's a great day, but I just want to go back for a moment. At that moment, at that moment. You know, the Bible talks about two in the field. Suddenly one's taken and the other's left. There's a separation that day. Well, there's a great separation. Make no mistake about it. There's a separation that day. Two will be in the field. One will be taken the other left. Two will be in the bed. One will be taken and the other left. There's a voice that's being declared today, just like those ten virgins. There's a voice at the midnight hour. Prepare, because the Lord's coming. Go out and meet Him. There's a preparation. There's a voice that goes up. And there's a voice that speaks into your heart today. It's not the voice of the preacher. It's the voice of God Himself, the Spirit of the Lord. On that moment, brothers and sisters, and sinner friend in this room this morning, at that moment when Christ comes and the dead in Christ rise first, and we which are alive and remain, everyone that's saved in this room 
is supernaturally, miraculously, and all across this globe, of every tribe and every tongue, everyone that knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior is going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the earth. That's why the song says there's going to be a meeting in the earth. What a meeting that's going to be. But you think of this for a moment as we close. Think of it just for a moment as we close. Just think of it. At that moment, if you're not saved, at that moment, think about it for a second. Don't rush ahead. Just think for a moment. At that moment, that's why the Scripture calls it a dreadful day. A dreadful day. Think of it. His mummies and grannies and daddies and Sunday school teachers and leaders, work colleagues who are all saved suddenly are caught up. They've talked to you. They've pleaded with you. They've prayed with you. They've cried with you. They've encouraged you. You've sat under the gospel, especially in this church. My, my God, what a privileged people. Constantly being taught, encouraged in the way of the Lord, preached the gospel regularly, constantly. Most of you, all of you, I think, could preach the gospel, no problem. You've been instructed in it, taught it, it's become familiar. And you think, like as the prophet says, there'll be scoffers and mockers in the last day. But we've heard all this about the coming of the Lord before. We have heard it. As we, John, said last night on the phone, he says, you know, he says, Tim, I never was brought up in a Christian home. I never knew about the gospel. I was never given the privilege. And he says, I go around many churches, and he says, I see a whole lot of group of young people sitting there brought up in Christian homes, brought up through the church, and they know nothing about the life and the joy there is in Christ because they've heard it all before. And we're going to hear it all again. Subtly, the enemy has to lure them into a place of false security. But then, there's a shout. Then the Lord comes. It's a great day for those that are saved. But at that moment, it's a dreadful day for so many. Actually, the Bible says, few there be that find it. Many. Does it mean anything? Are you concerned? You should be. If you're not ready, you should be concerned. Not to heighten this in any way, but if ever there was a day when we are seeing the shaking of the nations of the world, if ever there was a day that we have witnessed the crumbling of the moral fabric of our world, it's today. If ever there was a day we have seen the complete decline of everything of what we once knew as a nation as wholesome and right, now has been called evil by this government. And we're on the verge, I believe it, the coming of the Lord instantly. If it was to happen this morning, I wonder how many people are going up and at that point suddenly you realize, Lord, there's no more preacher. There's no more gospel of grace. There's no more gospel of peace. There's no more opportunity to get saved. Forever and ever and ever. It's too late. Now that's the truth. 
And we say that to you in love because we don't want anyone to be lost. But we're going to go. And if he should come, but here's the other thing. He could even call. He could call in a moment. Whatever way it works, come or call. This ministry says you've got to be ready. The only way you're ready is to get right with God. Acknowledge your sin before him. Ask him to forgive you. Believe that he died on the cross for you. And make confession with your mouth. Jesus is coming. He's coming soon, folks. This ministry will be a voice. Just a voice. Just a servant of the Lord. All of us are servants. But a voice in the highways and the byways. Get ready. Jesus is coming. Out in the streets, wherever we are, in the home. Jesus is coming. He's coming. He's coming. you got to be ready. Oh, we think you're mad. I know. They thought the first church was mad. They'll think the last one's mad. But it's the truth, and it never changes. Get ready. Get ready. Can't save you, but get ready. The Lord's coming. Get ready. Get right. The Lord's coming. In a moment, he's coming. Let's pray together this morning.